Good morning. And today's daf is Lehilu Nishmas Frumit Bas Moshe Vasara. We're up to the top of to, uh, the top of Daf Zayda Bud Aleph Seven A. This stuff, interestingly, is primarily teachings of Rabbi Yossi. This first Amud is, is about five teachings of Rabbi, Yossi, of Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yossi. And the next Amud is about, uh, is another whole lot of teachings, about eight or so, of Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai. So it's, that's the structure of today's that Again, not, a, not all the teachings seem to be linked very clearly, but that's the, the strong connection is that it's the teaching of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yossi. So, Om Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yochanan, say in the name of Rabbi Yossi, Minayin Sha'akadosh Baruch Hu Mispalel, how do you know that Hashem davens? Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, Vavoysem el hal kochi v'simachtem v'veis tilasi. I will bring you to my holy mountain and you will rejoice in the house of my tefillah. Tefillah lo Nemar, it doesn't say the house of your tefillah. Ele tefillasi, my tefillah. Mikam Sha'akadosh Baruch Hu Mispalel, we see that Hashem davens. My matzli, what does Hashem... You know, the obvious question is, what do you mean Hashem davens? Why do we daven to Hashem? To acknowledge because we're reliant on Him. We daven to Hashem because we need uh, well, to thank Him for everything that we have and to ask Him for what we need without which we don't... So, what's Hashem davening? So, very a few different answers. Um... One of the answers which the Rashba brings, which he actually rejects, is that it means Hashem shows us how to daven. But the, the tzlach comes along and he says no. He says what it means is, Hashem davens is, what does Hashem want? He wants to do good for people. Good for the Jewish people and good for people. Therefore, He wants us to earn our reward. He doesn't want to just for, don't want to go into the makeup of creation, but He wants to do good for us. So to do that, we have to earn our reward. So He so to Davins for Bnei Israel to earn his mercy, to earn his goodness. And as we'll see, that's his tefillah, that he's able to show mercy, to show goodness to us. So it's not like classical sense of Davin, but he's pleading with Bnei Israel to do good. That's what Hashem Davining means. He says, my matli, what is Hashem Davin? So Amar Bartuvia, Ravzutra, Bartuvia, Amar Rav, in the name of Rav, here it's on Milfanai. May it be the will before me. Sheyikshu Rachman Tasi, that my mercy should overcome my anger and that my mercy sh- uh, you know, my midos of mercy should conquer my midos of din and oinesh and that I act with my children in mercy and I should act beyond the letter of the law with them Tanya regarding this Tanya Rabbi Shmo Ben Elisha Rabbi Yishmol ben Elisha says, I once went to, he was the Kohen Godel, and he went on Yom Kippur to offer the Katoris in the Kodesh HaKadishim. Many learn Akatrikel is the name of Hashemia, the Lord of hosts, Shehu Yoshev al Kisei, Romveni Soi, was sitting on his exalted throne. And he said, Yishmol, my son, bless me. So I said to him, I said to Hashem, that your mercy should conquer your anger. And your mercy should conquer your other midos of din and punishment. And you should act with your sons with mercy. And go beyond the letter of the law with them. And he nodded his head in approval of Matvila. So very interesting, Hashem asked Rabbi Shmuel, at least in a vision, obviously not literally he saw Hashem, but in a vision he asked Hashem, he says, my, um, he nodded me and says, my Kamash Malan, what's this coming to teach us? Was Rabbi Shmuel bragging? He says, you know, I went into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and Hashem asked me for a bracha, what's it coming to teach us? And further, there's another Gomorrah elsewhere which teaches about the value of a bracha. Well, he says, so he says, that you shouldn't view the bracha of a regular person Lightly, I often you think, you know what, I've got to go to the Godel for a bracha, and I don't care about brachas. But you see here, you take a bracha from wherever you can get it. And there might even be some ad, what's this adding there? Other Gomorrahs which teach us that you shouldn't treat brachas lightly. So they're telling us, go to someone for a bracha. You should even look out, look for brachas from regular people. So you don't have to go to the Godel for a bracha. Go to a regular bracha. Um...
Okay, carrying on, as I said, most of today's daf is teaching, this Amud is all Rabbi Yochan in the name of Rabbi Yossi. So, Rabbi Yochan, Mishum Rabbi Yossi, Menahin Sha'in Meratzim Lola Adam Meshaz Chasa. How do we know that you should not try to appease someone when he's angry? I know always people, when someone's furious, they say, calm down, calm down. That just causes it to spiral out of control. It's insulting. It's written, when Hashem, after the Jews burnt, uh, made the eagle Azov, Moshe was davening for them, and Hashem says, you know what, go away from me and let me, and then I will give, and then give me rest. Yeah. Was angry and then, so he takes a break. Uh, okay, I, I haven't heard that, but fits in. It fits in with this. So that's. But Hashem told Moshe. Hashem said, "I'm angry now. Go away. Leave me for a bit." Says your Amul Hakadosh Baruch Hu Moshe. Hamten yachi over upon him. Leave me until my anger subsides. Shall zam. She have upon him. Shall zam until my fury um, subsides. And then I will uh, give you time of day. I'll listen to your request. Does Hashem have, is there this anger by Hashem? Again, we have to remember with all of these things in today's daf, it's anthropomorphism, it's how we would view it. Obviously, Hashem doesn't have emotions. He doesn't react emotionally to things. I mean, there is a concept of Hashem loves and Hashem gets angry and Hashem, but it's all anthropomorphic. Um, it's, uh, it's our way of understanding and relating to Hashem. But does Hashem get angry? In the Tanya we learned to the Rai, Sevel Zam Bechol Yom. Sevel Zam Bechol Yom. I'm a God of anger every day. Become a Zam, or how long is he angry for? Rega, just a moment. Become a Rega, how much is a moment? Echod Mechamesh, Shrevu, Vishmona, Salafim, Vishmona, Zmeos, Vishmoini, Mushmoina, Vishah. One, one, fifty-eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eighth of an hour. Which they say is basically, it's about one sixteenth, one fifty, one sixteenth of a second. So that's how long Hashem is angry for each day. Vizuhi rega, that's a rega. So in Israel, when they tell you rega, wait a rega, they tell him, just wait a sixteenth of a second. <laughs> no. No creation was ever able to spot this except for Bilam Arosha. He knew the Das Elyon. Now Das Elyon sounds like he understood Hashem's mind, but the one who says, He couldn't even outsmart his donkey. He couldn't even really comprehend what his donkey was going through. Could he comprehend what Hashem's thinking? That doesn't make any sense. I don't want to go into this whole story with Bilam, but he had a whole big argument with his donkey, and his donkey outsmarted him. So what does it mean, Das? He knew Das Elyon, that he was able to Lana, he could pinpoint that moment. Shakosh Bohu caused for that Hashem was moment. And this is what the Prophet told Yisrael. He says, Remember what the plan of the king of Bolok, the king of Moab, wanted to do? My? And why should you? This is just a continuation of the Psukim there. So that you know the righteousness of Hashem. What's so special about Hashem thwarting? Balak's plan against the Jew. Remember, it was Balak who hired Bilam to come curse the Jews. Hashem said, You don't even realize how, much, how many kind things I did for you. How much charity I did for you. That I was never angry in the days of Bilam Arosha. Because if I did get angry in those days, there would not even remain a Sridu Plater. Any remnants. Yeah, so that's what, because why? Bilam had the ability to pinpoint when Hashem got, the moment Hashem got angry, and if he would curse B'nai Israel at that moment, the curse would have, it's when Hashem's angry, so the curse would carry a lot of weight, 
And he says, I would have destroyed, I would have, the curse would have carried weight and there would be no one left from B'nai Israel. So I made sure not to get angry in those days. Again, a kindness, a charity that Hashem does for us that we didn't even realize. That's what the Nobis pointed out. He says, Behind Bilam Balak, and this is what Bilam said to Balak, my Kel. I can't curse someone who God doesn't want curse. Kashem, and I can't condemn those who Hashem doesn't want to condemn. It's teach us that Hashem wasn't Zam, Hashem wasn't angry with B'nai Israel with anyone in those days. How long is Hashem angry for? Rega. The Kama Rega, Rega How long is the Rega? The time it takes to say Rega. We not like the Rega. So, um, so that's how long is it? Uh, half a second. Rega. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's from the Gemara. Um, how do we know that he's angry for a rega? As the Pasuk says, for he's angry in a, for a moment, but his favor is forever. This is another Pasuk. Leave me for a, um, hide yourself for a moment, for a rega, until like, my anger subsides. When is Hashem angry? When, when in the day should we be extra careful? So Amr Abai Bahana Tlashoy Kama said, sometime in the first three hours, Kichiyura Karavdasadatanagolo, so when we find that the crest of a rooster turns white, Vakoi Echod Kara, and he stands on one foot. Oh, Kol Shasa Vashasa Dami Koi Hachi, doesn't he stand like that so much of the day? So there's no Kol Shasa, Isbeis Ruki Sumuki Bahi Shasa, Laisbeis Ruki Sumuki. No, most of the day he has red strands running through his crest. At that moment, his crest goes completely white. Um, just an interesting question to ask. So he says, Bilam Arashi, if you would have cursed B'nai Israel in that moment, he would have been able to destroy them. What sort of, there would be no one left from Israel. What sort of curse are you able to say in Rega, in the time it takes to say Rega? That's what Tosos asked. So What would Bilam have been able to say in a rega? says, He could have just said the curse, destroy them. Kalem is as long as it takes to say rega, so he could have pinpointed the moment Hashem was angry and with that. says, Inami, alternatively, he No, if he would have started his curse in that moment of anger, it would have dragged on the fury of the curse, but it would have carried effect. Similar to sometimes we say again, Obviously, you should try daven your whole tefillas mincha before sunset. But as long as you primarily, as long as you start before sunset and it drags a little bit in, that's okay. A little bit past sunset, that's fine. But that's similar here. He says if Bilam would have started at the moment of anger, even if he would have continued, it would have had the power of a, of a curse with Hashem's anger, which would have had very dark consequences for Bnei Israel. There was this heretic who lived in the neighborhood of Rabbi Yishua ben Levi. And he used to harass him, upset him a lot with the uh, psukim. He used to always try to bring psukim to disprove or prove his uh, heretical ideas based on psukim. One day Rabbi Yishua ben Levi took a rooster and placed it by the foot of his bed. He says, I'm ben, he was watching it. I'm going to curse this heretic at this time. And then when that time was coming, if he dozed off. So he says, I realize it's not appropriate to do this. It's not appropriate for me to ask Hashem to curse uh, this heretic who's uh, harassing me. He says, The Apostle says, Hashem is merciful on all these creatures. And it's also written, For a tzaddik to cause punishment is not good. Uh, so therefore he realized... When he, when he dozed off, he says, oh, I must have dozed off for a when I never just dozed off. And I was watching this rooster and I dozed off at the moment that its crest was going to turn white at the moment Hashem's angry. You know what, I'm going to, uh, I realize, I must think about it. And he thought about it and he realized it's actually not good to bring about spiritual punishment to, to other people. Elsewhere we say if you, um, don't remember where it is, I think it might be in Gomorrah Shoshana. It says if you daven for someone to be punished, you say, Hashem, please deal with them. For me, Hashem checks you out first. And he said, mm, are you really deserving? Must I, must I punish him first or maybe you first? He has to start looking into it. So it's a very negative practice to dive into Hashem. Tosos also asked an interesting question. I don't want to go into the answer, but they had a din in those days with uh, Minim, with these true evil heretics, that there's a din that 
if you're like walking past a pit with them, you can like shoulder knock them in a little, you know, like nudge them in so that they fall in and you can leave them there. So why can't you daven for them to die like we saw Rabbi Shur, or daven for something bad to happen to them like Rabbi Shur? What's the difference? But uh, again, I think it's largely calling on Hashem to get involved in your life to harm someone else. Firstly, for a pious person to do that, it's not befitting. And secondly, it's not, uh, as we said, to involve Hashem in punishing others is not so good. Okay, now the Gemara is going to just point out, why is Hashem, we said, when is Hashem angry within the first few hours of the day? Why is that? So, Tanav Shmei the Rebbe Meir, when the sun starts to shine, and the kings from east to west, place their crowns on their head, and they bow down to the sun, that's when Hashem gets angry. As we know, the king of kings, who gives from him kingship flows, and at the moment that they're highlighting their kingship, they put on their crowns, they are oh, I'm the king, and they go and bow down to the sun, that triggers Hashem's anger. One moment, one feeling of remorse or regret or guilt is much better than lots of lots of lashes. Shinemar, as it says, Verod for she will pursue those she loves. And this is um, B'nai Israel straying from Hashem, but it's the euphemism of a wife straying. And then she says, you know what, I think I'm actually going to return to my husband. That was better than now. Um, I, Hashem, prefers this, just the thought of doing tshuva. You know, I'm going to go back to my husband. I'm going to become loyal to Hashem again. It's far better than the punishments that cause a person to do that. It's more beneficial than a hundred lashes. says, Rebuke for the wise is more effective or is better than a hundred lashes on a fool. Okay, another teaching Moshe made ten major requests from Hashem and he granted three sorry, three major requests and Hashem granted them. These are all at the time after B'nai Israel sinned with Agel Azov and Moshe went to Davin and then Moshe to a large degree forgave B'nai Israel. Moshe saw it was a time of goodwill from Hashem. So he made three requests. These are all based over a few psukim. I'm not going to go through them now, but basically says, He davened that Hashem should rest his shechina back on Yisrael. Hashem said, you know what, I'm going to send an angel. So he said, no, please rest your shechina on Yisrael. And when he said, Hashem granted it. And here it says, When you go with us. And Moshe said to Hashem, will you go with us? Then it says, He davened that you should not rest your shechina on the non-Jews. We are only nation. And he granted it. And it says, And may me and your nation be um, unique, stand, stand apart from other nations. And he says, I want to understand your ways. And he granted it. As Moshe said to Hashem, show me your ways. Um, And then it says, um, and the Pasuk there says, um, he says, yeah, the Pasuk says, uh, this is in these three Psukim where Moshe asked for all these three, in these Psukim where Moshe asked for these three things, it says, everything that you've asked I will do. So we see Hashem grants all these three requests. Again, that uh, you rest Joshua with Israel, you don't send us an angel to lead us. I think that's what I meant. You uh, you keep us as your special nation, and you don't uh, You set us apart. And then the third one was that I can understand your ways. Now the Gemara explains. Um, what does it mean? Know your ways, Hashem. I want to understand the ways that you run this world. He says. How can it be that we find Sadiqim and it's good, they have a good life for Rosh and Benji, this is what you're asking about, which we were discussing later. How can you have a Sadiq and it's good for him, Rosh and it's bad, and it's Sadiq and it's bad for him? Rosh, Vatoivlo, Vyesh Rosh, 
Verola, we have Rishoyim who have it good in this world, then we have Rishoyim who have it bad. I don't understand what's, uh, how's it work? Are the, all Tzadikim should have it bad in this world because they get the next world? Or, or they should all have it good because they follow your will? And so it was Rishoyim, they should either all have it good in this world because they don't have the next world, or they should all have it bad because they're Rishoyim. It doesn't make sense. So he said, Moshe, I'll explain it to you. Tzadik v'tovlo, Tzadik ben Tzadik. When you find a tzaddik and he has it good, that's where it's a tzaddik, the son of a tzaddik. Tzaddik for Rolo, tzaddik ben Rosha. But if it's a tzaddik who has it bad, that's because his father was a Rosha. Rosha v'toivla, Rosha ben tzaddik. Again, a Rosha who has it good for him is a Rosha ben tzaddik. He has it good in this world. He has a good life because in merit of his father was a tzaddik. Rosha v'rolo, Rosha ben Rosha. Rosha has it bad, is a Rosha ben Rosha. So, Amma Mar, tzaddik v'toivla, tzaddik ben tzaddik, v'rolo, tzaddik ben Rosha. You're telling me, okay, the, the main point here is that the you're explaining to me that Hashem answered Moshe that a tzaddik who has it good is a tzaddik ben tzaddik and a tzaddik who has it bad is because his father's a rasha. In Ibaoksu, the Potsuk said, Pokain avodavos alponim. We're going to raise another contradiction between Tzukim that addresses Israel. It says, Hashem remembers the sins of the father onto the children. Uksiv, and then another Potsuk says, Ubonim alavos. Children are never killed as a result of their parents. I. Veramina and Kriyadadi, these Psukim contradictions are the one who Hashem punishments, punishes children on account of their father's sin. The other Apostle says, no, children never die, never suffer as a result of their father's sins. It says, Umashnina, and we answer that contradiction. This is where they follow in their father's footsteps. They carry on in their evil ways, that's when they get the sins, they get paid back for their father's sins as well. And here, they don't, is where they do not have those. Um, sorry, and where they don't have those, um, where a, they, sorry, a, a, someone who doesn't continue in their father's evil footsteps will never get punished on account of their father. Now, that's a cash on what we just said because we explained when Moshe wanted to understand Hashem, what's your ways? Hashem told him, if it's a tzaddik ben Rosha, that's when a tzaddik has a harsh life. But we just learned, if someone doesn't follow in their father's evil ways, they won't get punished as a result of their father. This is what Hashem told Moshe. Tzaddik tzaddik gomor. Tzaddik tzaddik gomor. This is that we found that tzaddik has a good in this world as well as a Complete tzaddik, someone who's a hundred percent righteous. This that we find he has a bad in this world, that's a tzaddik who's not so righteous. Rosha Vatovla, Rosha Sha'ino Gomul, Rosha Virala, Rosha Gomul. This that we find a Rosha has it good in this world, that's a incomplete Rosha. He's mostly evil, but not a hundred percent evil. And this that we find he has an evil and even completely a bad in this world. Um that's uh that's a complete Rosha. Again, um, just before we go further, so simple, the answer, this is the general answer that people give. Why do Rishoyim have a good in this world? Is because Hashem, obviously, if they did any good, they deserve to be rewarded, so Hashem rewards them in this world. And if they do any bad, and, and but they'll get, they won't get Olam Haba, that's why they get any good in this world. A tzaddik, why does a tzaddik have it bad in this world? Because he's mostly a tzaddik, but he's done a few avarice, so he needs to get punished for them, so he gets punished in this world, and his reward is completely in Olam Haba, which is much better. Again, that doesn't, uh, it doesn't answer the question fully, because you still see very, very evil people who prosper, and you see very, very great tzaddikim who have very difficult lives. They might not even realize they have difficult, but they have difficult lives. Um, as we saw, Yusurin Shalavo, etc. So it's a very hard uh, answer to give. Just one deep insight into this. No, we, we don't have time for it, but maybe we'll get another chance to discuss it in more detail. Upligat Rebbe Meir, this is arguing on Rebbe Meir. Amar Rebbe Meir, Shtaim Nosnullah, Vachas Loi Nosnullah. We said that Moshe asked for three requests and he was granted them all. Rebbe Meir comes along and says he was asked for three requests, but he was only granted two of those requests. requests. It wasn't granted. And it's this third request. And Moshe said, Hashem, please explain to me, how do we find that Tzadikim have a good, Tzadikim have a bad, Rishonim have a good, Rishonim have a bad. I don't, I don't see how, how your judgment's working. So Rishonim says, 
I will show compassion to that who I want to show compassion to. Even if he's not deserving of it. And I will show mercy to who I want to show mercy to. Even if he's not, not worthy of it. Hashem is telling Moshe, you can't, I'm doing things as I want. You don't understand it. Okay, that's the easiest, that's the most straightforward answer. We don't understand why good happens to, why we find good people having good and bad. And why we have Rishoyim having good and bad. Rebbe Maz, the easy answer, the probably for us the most accurate answer is we don't really get it. We don't understand it. Hashem told Moshe, I show compassion to who I want to show compassion. Ah, you won't understand if I explain it to you. And I show mercy to who I want to show mercy. Ah, you won't understand if I try to explain it to you. It's beyond, you're right, Hashem does things that are beyond our comprehension. Yeah, I mean, but as I pointed out, even according to the ones who say they do know the answer, their answer didn't really make sense. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's really righteous. In it. You're right. So, there, I mean, there are lots of factors. We might say, oh, how can such a thing, terrible thing, happen to so and so? You know, they seem to be such good people. We don't know what what's in their heart. We don't know the acts they do behind closed doors. So, so it's, it's very rich of us to. Saying, sorry. That's still saying a rush is getting. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. No, I'm just saying, I'm saying, for, I'm saying for us to try and work it out on many different levels is difficult. From the one level is people who we see. Okay, then I'm trying to say that bad only happens to bad. Yeah, no, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm saying for us to try and work out Hashem's dinim are very, very complex. So on the one hand, when you look at a person, you don't know whether they're really righteous or really evil. That's, that's, you're right, that's getting, that's first having a presumption that if he is righteous or if he is evil, we could predict what should happen. Yeah, we could predict what should happen to him if he is righteous. Thing, which Rabbi Meir says we can't even do that. There's another Gomorrah, and there's many, they, they bring from the Nevi'im, that uh, Yirmiyahu, Yishayahu, asked Hashem, please explain it to me, your ways, or Hashem, I don't understand how good can happen to evil. And the Rishonim discuss it, the Ramban, the Rambam, the... All, all the major Rishonim and the Achronim, they all go into this. It's, I mean, it's the classical question, why do we see some people prosper and some people stuff? You don't even have to necessarily frame. Um, as far as I know, there's a Gomorrah, I think it's Gomorrah in Shabbos. Well, I don't know, it's also from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I want to understand, but maybe that Gomorrah is based on Rebbe Meir. He asked, um, one of the things he asked is to understand why Rebbe Akiva, who was, as he said, a... Uh, the Moshe Rabbeinu of the oral law should have such a difficult, painful death. And Hashem says, uh, it's, it's in my mind, oh, you can't really comprehend it. So I don't know, that maybe that's Rebbe Man, not uh, the opinions here who say that Moshe did understand why Hashem punished good or bad. Okay, but yeah, as I said, it's a very broad uh, discussion. And, uh, this one you You know, it could be that's kind of one of the answers that interesting they gave for one of the answers they gave for Yusurin Shalav we read the other day why should a righteous person suffer and then get reward for it why are you rewarding someone for suffering is no because there are many people in that generation who can't handle the suffering and if they were to suffer I guess we can't predict what would happen to them but maybe they wouldn't uh, maybe they would go insane chas v'sholom, or maybe they would become heretics chas v'sholom, something like that so but they need but the generation's deserving of suffering so that tzaddikim bear the yusurin on themselves and therefore they're rewarded because they are suffering so you never know why yeah it is ultimately we know hashem is good is good but we can't comprehend why some of his actions and some of the things seem to be very out of line with how we feel they should be. Again, it's how we feel they should be. So, I guess Hashem can say, well, I feel they should be differently. Okay, let's go on. Yes. Yeah, so again, we don't understand why Hashem does uh, many things. I mean, there are different approaches to the Holocaust. Some want to give reasons and some try to, but I think the, the most appropriate answer is, yes, we don't understand why Hashem does certain things. Okay, but again, it's, yeah, it's a very broad discussion. Sorry. Um, yeah. Hashem said to Moshe, you're not able to see my face. Tana and live. 
תנא מישמעית רבי יהושע בן קרח עלי תור, תנא מישמעית רבי יהושע בן קרח, כך אומר לי הקדוש ברוך הוא למוישה, כשרוציסי, לא רוציסי, when I wanted to show you my face, you didn't want to, I showed you how to see, now you want to see my face, any רוצה, I don't want to show it to you. This is at the time of the burning bush, Moshe hid his face from seeing Hashem, from looking at the burning bush, Hashem says, oh now, after matter, now you want to see my face, well, when I gave you the opportunity to see my face, you don't want to, I'm not going to give it to you now. Uplikad Rabbi Shmuel Banachmani, Lizagin Rabbi Shmuel Banachmani, Yom Rabbi Yochanan, Yerbi Yonasan, in the name of Rabbi Yonasan, Dom Rabbi Shmuel Banachmani, Yom Rabbi Yonasan, Peschai Sholosh, Zakhala Sholosh, because of three approaches Moshe had at the time of the burning bush, he merited three gifts. Peschai Vayester Moshe Ponov, at the burning bush it says that Hashem, that Moshe hid his face, Zakhala Klaster Ponim. Moshe merited to have a glowing face. When Moshe came down with the luchos, his face shone. It says, and Bishar ki yore, because he was afraid, Moshe Rabbeinu at the time of the burning bush was showed reverence to Hashem. Zochel vayiru migeshes elov. Everyone was afraid to approach Moshe. When they saw Moshe with this godly spiritual glow on his face, they were afraid to go near him. And Bishar may habit from looking at Hashem, Zochel Hashem Yabiti had this uh, likeness of God on him. So Moshe, so he actually says this. We learned again the burning bush. Moshe didn't want to look at Hashem. So the one Tanai learns it in a negative light. He should have taken the opportunity to come close to Hashem as possible. And the other Tanai learns that no, it was out of respect and deference, and he actually got rewarded for that. Then Hashem said, okay, but I won't show you my face, I'll show you the, my back. I will pass you by holding my hands in front of your face, and when I go past, I will let you see my back. This teaches us that Hashem showed Moshe his knot of his tefillin, either knot at the back of the head tefillin. One shot is that, Remember the tefillin we learned the other day? One of the representations of Hashem wearing tefillin is that he's interested and he's dedicated and he loves B'nai Yisrael. Just like we bind ourselves without tefillin to God, so him wearing tefillin represents him binding himself to us. So showing him the knot on the back of the head is showing how, how everything is tied together, how B'nai Yisrael and Hashem are tied together and I guess the whole unfolding of history, how it's all due to this connection of B'nai Yisrael and Hashem. Any word that Hashem says that's, uh, that's for the good, I promise it's on the good, even if it's said on condition, he won't retract. How do we know this? It says, Step away from me and I will destroy them. Etc. And I'll make you into a mighty nation. Again, at the time of the Egel Azov, the golden calf, Hashem said to Moshe, let me destroy all of Israel and I'll make you, Moshe, into a, into a mighty nation. So, And even though Moshe Rabbeinu davened, that Hashem should not destroy B'nai Yisrael, and it was cancelled, that decree that Hashem said, I want to destroy B'nai Yisrael was cancelled, still... The promise to Moshe was fulfilled in his descendants. As it says in Divra Yomi Bnei Moshe, Gershon Ve'elezer, the two sons of Moshe was Gershon Ve'elezer, Vayu Bnei Eliezer, Rechavia, Harosh Ve'gomer, the sons of Eliezer was Rechavia, the chief, and etc. Uvenei Rechavia, Rabu Lamala. And the sons of Rechavia were too many to count. Vatoni Rebbe Yosef Lamala Mishishim Revuah, is actually more, his descendants were, or children, or must be descendants, were more than 600,000. Why? It's written here by the sons of Rechavia Ribui, this word of Ribui, and it's written, Rabulamala, too many counts, and it's written over there, were fruitful and they increased at, a, at a, an alarming rate. That's why Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, that's why one of the reasons Paro got scared is the how the Jews, and they were Poru Varovu into a nation of 600,000 men, so so too. That's the correlation of 600,000. That's where Moshe's descendant had, was a mighty nation in his own right. He was 600,000 um, descendants. Okay.
Now, as I pointed out, so the first Amud was Om Rabbi Yochan, Yishum Rabbi Yossi, teachings of Rabbi Yochan, and centered around Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi This Amud, and it goes into the next page as well, I'm not sure how far into it, um, I think just one into the next page, but it's a list of teachings of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Shimon and Yochai. So again, they might not seem related to each other, but the, at least the one central uniting feature of this stuff is its focus around teachings that Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon and Yochai. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, I'm Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, I'm from the moment from when Hashem created the world until Avram, there was no one who referred to HaKadosh Baruch as Adon. Adon and Adon until Avram came and called him the Master. Shinemar as it says, Adonai Elohim, Bama He said, My master, God, how do I know that my inherit my descendants will inherit this land? But again there we see he referred to Hashem by the name Aleph Talad Nun Yud, my master. In Shnaf we treat that is the second most holy name of Hashem. The holiest name of Hashem is the Yud Kevovke. And the second holiest name is Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, how we actually pronounce uh, Yud Kevovke. Vomar Af Daniel, Loi Nena Ela Bishvil Avram. Daniel was only answered because of Avram Shinemar, as it says, Vatosh Mael, Okenu, El Tfilas Avdochov Al Tachnunen, Vahelponechal Mikdoshra, Shomem Naman Adonai. It says, Now, my master, listen to the Tfilah of your servant and his application and set your face on your, your desolate Mikdash for the sake of. Aleph Talad Nun Yun. Laman Chomibale. It should have said, shouldn't have said Laman the Master. It should have said, for your sake. He's talking to his Dan to Hashem. So, Ela Laman Avram Shekocho Adon. But because of Avram who called you Adon. It seems there's a special dimension that Avram realized that Hashem was the true Master. Up till then, a lot of people had knew Hashem. Even those who knew Hashem created the world, there was a little bit of a standoff between that Hashem created the world. And, and especially those who served up for that there were other powers in the world. We saw the power of the sun, the power of the Kolchovim and Mazolos, astrological powers, etc. And Avram said, Avram referred to him as Adon, the master of the universe, the one who's completely powerful. Okay, for Omar, Rabbi how do we know that you don't try to appease someone when he's angry? Shinemar says, Pona Yelchu Vani Khoisiloch. Another teaching From the moment Hashem created the world until Hashem, until Leah, no one thanked Hashem, no one did Hodu. Um, Special dimension of appreciation of how far Hashem actually goes for Hashem. It says, Apam, Hashem, Balayat says, This time I thank Hashem. When Leah had Yehuda, remember how many, how many matriarchs were there? There were four, so they should have, and there were 12 tribes, so they should have each had three children. Leah, when she had Yehuda, she had four, so she realized Hashem had granted her something beyond what she was entitled to. I mean, even though we're not really entitled to anything beyond what she was really fitting, far beyond that. And then she said, Hodu, she said, Hodu to Hashem. And that's what he's saying. Once we mention something to do with the tribe's names, we're going to mention something else by another, another relevant name. Reuven. Sorry, sorry, not matriarchs. Uh, Yaakov's four wives. Sorry, sorry, not the matriarch. Yaakov's, ya- each of Yaakov's four wives, sorry. Yeah. Reuven, now we mention Omer, Belozo, Omer, Leah, Leah said through, it seemed with Ruach Kadesh, Ro'u ma bain b'ni levain chami. Look at my son, the difference between my first son and my father-in-law's first son. Who's Leah's father-in-law? Yitzchak. Who was his oldest son? Esau. So look at the difference between my Bechor and his Bechor. He sold his Bechor voluntarily. Esau sold his birthright to Yaakov. And look what's written by him. Esau hated Yaakov. Esau said in disgust, this is his name. His name is Yaakov because he outwitted me. He supplanted me twice. 
I, he, he got me to sell him the birthright, and he now took my brochas. The goma. So that's his. He sold his birthright voluntarily, and he still hated Yaakov for it. But my son, even though Yosef took, it was taken, Yosef took the birthright by force from Reuven. When Reuven defiled the bed of his father, he gave the Bechor to Yosef. To the sons of Yosef, that's Ephraim and Menashe, double portion. He still didn't Ruvain heard what the other brothers were going to do to Yosef and he saved them. So he says, not only, never mind, he didn't sell the Bechor voluntarily, it was taken from him and he still didn't hate the son that it went to. So that's what Leah was saying by Ruvain. Um, interesting. Rus, similar idea of a name being prophetic. My Rus, Omer Biochan, Shazok, Yotam, Menu, Dovid, Sherevu, Sherevu, similar to Rus, that Kodesh Bolchu, Beshirus, Vitishbochos, that he will say many, many, he'll be filled with Shiros, Vitishbochos for Hashem. That's David Amelech, the author of Tehillim, and all these Shiros, Vitishbochos for Hashem that came from, and he came from. Milo, Lod, Hashem, and Gorim. How do we know that names have this effect? Now we see that a person's name can have a great effect on the future. Says from the following post, Go and see the wonders of Hashem, which He placed where He made desolate. Sorry, Shamot He made desert places in the earth. Don't read desolate Ella names. I the wonders of Hashem is the names. I names have a prophetic power, a work of Hashem. Um, important to remember also that names are not, they do have a prophetic power, they do seem to have power in them to almost bring about a future event, but people have free will. And at the end of the day, you make, you make your name. You can make your name line up with the great tzaddikim that you're named after, or the deeper spiritual meanings of your names, or chas for shalom, you can make your name line up with those evil people who had the same name and or used those spiritual powers for evil. Um, interesting enough, I saw an article, I thought it was amazing. It says, we mentioned Ruvain of all the tribes was one whose name signified prophecy in the future. What about all the other 11 tribes? We don't discuss them as their names in prophecy. So the Groh points out, I thought this is quite, I mean, it's the brilliance of the Groh. You know, it says, generally, when, if someone's giving a name for a reason, you expect them to express the reason and then say, therefore I called my son X. And that's what happens. By all the tribes, it says, it says Hashem has heard my fillers, therefore I'm going to call my son Shimon. Um, Hashem has, by Yosef, she says, oh, thanks to Hashem, therefore I'm going to call my son Yehuda. But all of them, it says the reason and then the name. By Ruvain, it says, I called my son Ruvain, and this is why I saw called my son Ruvain. We see there must have been another trigger to why it was called Ruvain that's implicit in the passage by that. Instead of starting with, this is the reason that I named him, and therefore I called him Ruvain. It just starts with Ruvain, and this is why I called him. So we see there's a deeper reason going into the future. I thought that was... Quite amazing. I'm um, continuing. Having a a wayward son, an evil son, raising an evil son is harsher on a person than the war of Gogumago. This is by David. When David said this following to Hillim when he was fleeing from his son Absalom. And it's written straight in that same to Hillim. How much. Soros has come upon me. When David's describing the war of Gogu Magog, this is in Tehillim Base, it's written, Wow, all the nations um, in an uproar and, what the, and gather for no reason. He doesn't say it's so uh, distressing. Oh, he speaks about uh, Gogu Magog as yeah, chaotic, but not distressing, whereas with his son Absalom, being growing up bad, he speaks about it as distressing. So we see it's much harsher on a person, uh, wayward son, than than uh, than Gogo Magog. 
What does David mean by saying a song of praise to Hashem when he fled Absalom? He should have said a kina, a, a lament, a dirge when he, when he had to flee before his son. Just a quick, I don't want to go into the whole story, but basically one of David's sons was Absalom. Few incidents happened, therefore Absalom decided he's got to rebel against his father and he must be king. And he started a rebellion and he actually drove David out from Yerushalayim. And he was very nearly victorious. What's it similar to? No, it's like when there's a when a person owns money. As long as he owns the money, it's it's a heavy weight on him. But once he's paid up, then he's he's happy. Sorry. Um, so too, um, Hashem said, I will hold, I will set bad against you. This is from when David sinned with Bathsheba. Hashem said, there's going to be evil from your house. So this, there's this evil going to come from a house up against me. And I don't know where it's from. And that was a huge weight on David. What's going to be against him from his own household? Once he was he was happy. Therefore, he said it's a mizma. Some explain because he was happy when he saw his Absalom because hopefully Absalom would show a bit of mercy. And incidentally, you could read the psukim as Absalom's downfall came when he was actually a little bit hesitant to go out and attack David straight away. So that maybe it was maybe it was as a little bit of a result of Absalom's mercy. Doesn't not so clean, not so clear, but you could read that into the psalmic. Even though Rishoim seem to be the ones who own this world, not Tadikim, you can still provoke them. To Shinemar it says, those who forsake the Torah and praise evilness, the Shoim Tori is Garubom. Those who keep the Torah should Provoke them. Tanya Namiyach, we have a brazo which says this similarly. Rabbi Dustai ben Maton Omer, Mutali his garos parashoim ba'olam hazeh, shenemar oizvei Torah, ailu rasha, etc. Okay, the same proof we just brought that the Apostle says those who keep the Torah should provoke them. Ve'im lechasheich adam loimar. If someone's whispering in your ear saying, v'hoksiv, but it's written, altit char b'mereim v'altit kana ba'oise avle, don't compete with the evil and don't uh, envy don't envy to try out to the, the, those who are unjust, those who do avla. One second, one second. Omar lo mi libo nok for Omar kain. Only someone who's feeling insecure, I, for, because of his guilt of his avarice, would say such a thing. Elo What that posuk really means is don't compete with evil, with those evil, with Rashaim, to be more evil. And al tikna avla. Don't be jealous of those who act with iniquity to do more iniquity. I don't be jealous of those who are doing bad to try outdo them. The Pasuk doesn't mean don't start with those who are doing evil, etc. So what did you want to say? Why? Yeah, why? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. Vaoymer, and it says, Don't Envy, don't try to emulate Rishoim. Ki imbi Yerush Hashem kolayom, only delve into Yerush Hashem all day. Any? So we've just come along with quite a few sources that you should go against evil people. Just harass them a little. Any? Is that true? Vahomer b'yitzakim rosh rosh shayashama sachekesh. As you see a rosh having good fortune, altis garabah, don't provoke him. Shenemar is a puzzle. His ways prosper at all times. If you start with him, you're going to definitely end up second best. The law, not only that, is generally successful in judgment. Shenemar, as the puzzle says, His, Your judgment seem beyond him. I, it seems like these Rishoyim are even uh, beyond judgment. He sees the downfall of his enemies. He scoffs, he snorts at his uh, enemies. So we see we've got two contradictory teachings. On the one hand, the one teaching seems to imply that you should uh, 
harass, bother evil people. On the other hand, we saw quite a few sources that you should not start with them because, again, this is their world and they're having success in it. If you start with them, they'll have success over you as well. So the Gemara answers is going to give a few different answers. It says, Loy in his aspects, his matters don't start with him. But in heavenly matters, do start with him. Not sure what that means. Lee boys, time a second answer. It's all got to do with heavenly matters. It depends whether you see the Rosh having good fortune or not. If he's not having good fortune, then you can start with him. If he's having good fortune, then clearly it's good for him to step back. Lee boys, another answer. It depends whether you're a tzaddik or not. If you're a complete tzaddik, then you can start with the Rosha. If you're not a complete tzaddik, then don't start with the Rosha. Because we'll see what the Omar Avuna might see. What does the Pazim mean when it says, Lama tabit boigdim rish? Why do you look at the traitors in silence? I those who sin. When a Rosha swallows those who are more righteous than him. How can a Rosha swallow up Tzadikim? We have another positive. Hashem will not let him, will not forsake a Tzadik. And it's written, No mischief of the Rosha will affect the Tzadik. A Rosh is able to defeat, able to swallow up something who's more righteous than him, but is not able to swallow up someone who's a Tzadik Gomor. So maybe that's the difference. If you're a Tzadik Gomor, then you can start and go ahead and harass and provoke and give Rishoyim a hard time. If you're not a Tzadik Gomor, then uh, be careful of Rishoyim. Again, as we, you know, we mentioned, this world is where this is the this is the only world that Rishoyim have, and this is where they're successful and they prosper. So to start with them in this world is playing with fire. It's dangerous. Yeah. Alternatively, again, not for this last point, it depends if the Rosh is having success or not. Okay, so a few answers. Anyone who has a set place to daven in, his enemies fall before him. says, I set a place for my nation, Yisrael, and I planted him there, and he will dwell there. No one will be able to affect, afflict them. So when you have a set place, your enemies won't be able to affect you. Very shiny like at first. Ravuna Ramixi Ravuna raised a contradiction. Again, is this basically the same posuk is repeated in Shmuel and it's repeated in uh, in Divrayomim. In Shmuel it uses the word they won't be able to anoso to afflict you. Uksiv levaloso. But in Divrayomim it uses the phrase to destroy you. So obviously the enemies initial way is to just harass and afflict you and then it builds into where they want to get to the stage where they want to destroy you. Shimush of Torah is greater than learning Torah. What's the difference with Shimush? Limud is sitting and learning. Shimush is assisting practical hands-on experience you get from hanging out accompanying a, a tzaddik, a rav. And in short, that's what they bring. You can't really paskin until you've Watch the Rav Paskin, because there's a lot of, let's call it the true living Torah that comes through when a Rav who's seen his Rebbe, you've seen his Rebbe, I guess, going all the way back to the Rishonim and the Amoraim and the Tanoim and Moshe Rabbeinu, how they approach a question and how they answer it. There's a very big difference in those, and the Shimush you get from hanging out at the Talmud Chacham is much greater than what you could actually learn from him, or then sitting and learning Torah. Interesting enough, many say that learning Gomorrah is like Shimush, in a way. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a point that comes up a few times. Well, as it says, where do we see that Shimush is more important than Limud? Is greater? Here is Elisha ben Shofar to poured water on the hands of Elia. What? What mid is it? Praising Elisha Eliyahu Anovi's main Talmud for for washing his hands for serving him. It doesn't say that he learned Torah by Eliyahu. It says that he served him. Um, we see that um, Shimush is greater than Limud. 
can, we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos.